If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Steeler Fury. This is your Pittsburgh Steelers Steeler Fury podcast. That's what the name of the show is. My name is Will Massasag, a.k.a. Bradshaw Ben, a.k.a. Accidental Zen on Twitter, a.k.a. the guy that wrangles these two curmudgeons every week. Um, first from somewhere not anywhere near Pittsburgh Suburban Zone 22. He says he looked it up. I, I'd like to see the proof. His name is Steel Birch. He's with us. How are you, sir? What the hell is that? The other guy in the podcast, uh, I think Forest Hills is... is uh suburban zone 22 so i'm not there but uh for the record I am <laughs> that's my old hometown for the record i am here as a volunteer not as a hostage <laughs> we also with us uh speaking of forest hills or forest yeah. gump actually both are very appropriate he's with us he is uh the main curmudgeon himself his name is fc he's here how are you sir i'm here i mean can't complain how are you sir <laughs> it's a little early, and not enough yeah. coffee has gone in yet. So, gentlemen, uh, and I use the term loosely, Pittsburgh Steelers beat your Baltimore, Baltimore Ravens uh, last week. What would you make of that, Perch? Um, yeah, a little bit unexpected. I, just how efficient the offense was. I think that's the first Steelers-Ravens game ever. There was no turnovers, <laughs> you know, especially for uh, uh, Pittsburgh in Baltimore. Um, yeah, they just kind of, you know, took took their will and broke their will, and a lot of, you know, we haven't given, uh, I think, maybe enough credit uh, to to some of the things that the coordinators have done this year. Earlier in the season when, when uh, you know, they were 1-2-1 one, and, one and, and things weren't going well, we dumped on the coordinators pretty hard. But the adjustments from the first game to the second game on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball were really the differences. I mean, the personnel is pretty much the same with the exception of, you know, Hayden being healthy now and, and Burnett coming back a bit and Artie Burns being off the field. But uh, it was, you know, more than anything else, it was coaching adjustments from game one to game two. And, and that's what allowed the Steelers to go and win and really put a nail in the Ravens' season. I mean, FC, it was the last time we've talked about the Steelers out coaching anybody, let alone the Ravens. Yeah. Um, it was Fickner really, he earned my trust a little bit more. Um, I was devastated after the first Ravens game and uh you know on Sunday they uh they had a plan they stuck to the plan they showed a few things that uh I don't think the Ravens were necessarily prepared for um especially defensively and uh they were fundamentally sound like Perch or you pointed out (laughs) no turnovers um the penalties um some were disputable a few of them, 
but you know, overall, you know, it was probably the best coach game of the season. I think that could we could say that pretty easily. I think the Sewers could easily win the game by 17 points, but I think they were leery to take chances and just keep it simple. You know, just win the game, get the W, get out of Baltimore. Yeah, I actually, you know, to that end, uh, Perch, the, the not taking chances part, that that was a very unusual game for Ben Roethlisberger in that he didn't, he was very efficient and, and protected the football, but really didn't take many, if any, deep shots at all. In fact, the lowest yards per attempt, one of one of the lowest in his entire career for a game that the Steelers won. A really unusual approach for the Ravens, didn't you think? Yeah, I mean, even if you look at the course of the season, Ben's not throwing the ball in the same – I mean, he's always been a downfield attacking passer. The, the intermediate game, I think he's been as good as anybody in the history of the game, at intermediate passing, and he's always been, you know, scramble a little bit, wait for a play to break down, and, and bust a long one. But it's just everything is so – they look and see what the defense has given them, and they take advantage, and they get in their matchups – and they're dumping the ball off to running backs and wide receiver, wide receiver and tight end screens and so much of the game. And it's just short dump up, quick screen pad or quick uh, slants. I mean, that, that was pretty much the entire game plan where they weren't going to, you know, force the offensive line to, to pass protect for long periods of time and risk turnovers. It was, you know, get the ball up quick, up tempo, go, go, go. And it's been effective and efficient. That's kind of the way the whole league has gone. If you look at, I mean, look at the, the, the stat leaders for the league right now. It, Ben's, you know, one of the 10 highest rated uh, completion percentage guys of all time. He's at his average 64, and he's like 17th or 18th in the league. You have like eight guys completing over 70% of their passes now. It's just that's what the league is. Eli Manning's a career 59% completion percentage guy, and he's at like 67% this year. All guys are doing is getting the ball out of their hands. Dumb. It's, you know, the, the people are copying what the Patriots did. Uh, a lot of quick passes, dump off screens, you know, outlets to the running back. That's the NFL offense now. So it's you know, kind of the state of the game. Yeah, for better or worse, I guess. <laughs> the, um, I mean, the thing is, FCA, that's, that style of football sort of suits what the Steelers have on one hand because, you know, they have a guy, James Conner, and the tight ends, and, you know, the quarterback who can dish out like a point guard the short game. But um, are we a little concerned at this point about the the lower productivity of the wide receivers overall? No, there's kind of like there's not really a number three guy. Juju doesn't seem to be the same since he hurt his hamstring. Antonio Brown is having a lot of touchdowns, but not necessarily the productivity that he that he's we're used to having him have. Is this a concern going forward? It would be if the offense hadn't morphed into something new. Um, the, the reason that the slants and the, you know, passes to the running back in the short passing game is working so well is the tight ends and the wide receivers are blocking so well after the catch, which allows you to take, you know, a seven-yard pass. You can turn it into a 25-yard game. Um, I, you know, do the Steelers have a Martavius Bryant or a Mike Wallace that can take the top off of coverage. It doesn't look like they do. Hunter doesn't look like the answer. Washington doesn't look like the answer. Um, you know, we're going to get Le'Veon Bell back next week, how he's accepted or not. But that's going to be another guy that they're going to be able to manipulate defenses with 
with, you know, a shorter passing attack. Um, so our, no, it's true that we don't have a third wide receiver, but we have two quality wide receivers. I'm not really concerned about Juju's hamstring. He continues to make plays. It's just, I think he's being accounted for more in the passing game. And if you account for Brown and you account for Juju, you're going to have James Conner coming out of the backfield. You're going to have Jesse James. You're going to have Vance McDonald. You're going to have, you know, James Washington or whoever's playing that third wide receiver, you know, with off coverage. And they're going to give him the, you know, 10 yard out, you know, the, you know, the 15 yard comeback. Those, those plays are going to be there because of the coverage that Antonio Brown draws, because Juju, you know, is, you know, they're, they're rolling a safety or they're dropping an outside linebacker out to cover the hook curl, which allows another receiver to come, you know, the Steelers have plenty of offense, of, of offensive weapons, in my opinion. It's just, you know, it's not, we're going to do things differently. And that's my main point. I don't think that this offense is going to be, you know, a vertical passing offense. If it's there, they'll take it. But I don't think it's a big part of the offense anymore now. So, Perch, you know, with the offense, the team has basically come up with its identity. Like, in other words, they've it's taken them a little while, as they do every year, to figure out what the team really is this year. So if this is the offense that we're going to see, is the defense good enough? I guess that's the question on everyone's mind. I mean, it's not as exciting of an offense because we're not completing 30-yard passes down the field, but they're scoring 30 points a game. What else do you want? You know, They're efficient. They're consistently moving the ball. They've shown they can run the ball and, and force their will on other teams, even against good run defenses. Um, and bad run defenses, they're screwed because we're going to run their asses over. Um, and, and the passing game has been efficient, and they're scoring points in the red zone. That's you know Another thing for, uh, for Fichter is – Look how good they are in the red zone compared to what they get down there with Todd Haley and the play calling was so stale and so predictable and so fearful that you had all these weapons and they wouldn't freaking use them unless it was a two-point conversion. If it's first and goal to two, they're going to have the three shittiest plays in the playbook. But if it's a two-point conversion time, they'd bring out the the play that they could use to score touchdowns, which would drive me crazy. But they're so they're one of the best teams in the league now at the red zone. They're scoring 30 points a game. That's good enough. If, if they can score 30 and the defense is good enough, to, good enough to hold you to 25, the defense is good enough. But, I mean, you know, we keep talking about how this is a horrible defense. They're probably, what, 14th or 15th best defense in the league overall? This is what yeah. the league has changed. The league has changed rapidly in the past three years. And there are no – look at the Ravens. The Ravens are an elite, outstanding, number one defense in the league. They got their ass kicked two weeks in a row. <laughs> there is no shutdown defenses anymore. If you're going to win games, turn on the Rams and and Saints game and see that you know, hey, if they score 35, you got to score 42. That's that's what the league is now. So I think with the Steelers' ball control, that's going to help them when they do have to play the Saints and the Patriots and teams that are going to put a lot of points on them. They'll be able to shorten games and get games back into the 20s and have it come down to a last possession where you've got you know one of the one of the five best quarterbacks all time on you know end of the game situations and drives. So. They're they're a contender. I mean, they, they've got what, what it takes to win in the modern NFL. Like it or not, I'm going to th- go off script a little bit here. B to B, I'm going to throw go, a question go at you real quick. Um, tell me what's the difference between the current Pittsburgh Steelers offense and uh, the West Coast offense ran by Bill Walsh's was in the mid '80s. And I, and I, I mean, outside of the shotgun, the Steelers running a ton of stuff out of shotgun. But there, yeah, there pretty much isn't one. <laughs> I mean, I, I, do you know? As much as everything changes, it stays the same in some ways. That's 
that that's if, if if you look at the Sears offense, it's very comparable what to what San Francisco did in the mid eighties to the early nineties. And and who is the you know who is San Francisco's in that era number three receiver? I couldn't right. tell you. Brent Jones. Well, I'm saying once again, right, I'm being sarcastic. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's um, it, it's outside of the Steelers using the shotgun in the West Coast, really not being a shotgun based offense. It's very similar. Backs involved in the running game, you know. We we don't have a necessarily have a Tom Rathman or you know, but Roger, you know, John. Connor, I just went John Connor again. James Connor and you know, <laughs> Le'Veon Bell. Whenever he comes back, you know, you have Roger Craig and you know those types of guys. You know, you replace the fullback that San Francisco used by you know Floyd and Rathman, and you replace you know the Steelers' second tight end being you know Jesse James or Vance McDonald. It's a very similar offense, very similar scheme, very. And you add in the fact that you have these modern rules where you really can't touch receivers. It's, I think it's a very smart thing. I think the Rams offense and the Saints offense and the Steelers offense, as much as people want to look and say, you know, uh, the Rams throw the ball vertically more than the Saints or the Steelers do, you know, currently, it's really, they're very similar. They're predicated yeah, on the same thing. Sure. I mean, and I, I think that, you know, probably the main difference I see is, uh, you know, the, the Rams – have a little bit more, uh, you know, the pre-snap uh, window dressing. Sure. And the, you know, and they also have get three, skill, three outside receivers that have speed, you know, with Woods. Cup has speed to a point, and Brandon Cooks is an absolute burner. You know, we don't necessarily have those weapons. We do things similarly, but different because of personnel. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, I think the Sewers offense is actually, you know, a bell cow. Right now, I think it's blue ribbon right now for what they've done. You know, and the way they're using the weapons they have, I'm I'm impressed. Hey, I, I don't want to completely go away from the talk about the Steelers' offense perch without mentioning, uh, you know, like a, the three things that are all related. One is the play of the offensive line in general, um, the kind of coaching job that Mike Munchak has done, and and Matt Feeler. I, I can't even. I there are not enough words to explain where he came, where he was two or three years ago when he got here, and. Well, how he played on Sunday, man. What did you take away from his performance? Well, first of all, what's what's a guy from Forest Hills doing do, do talking about blue ribbon bell cows? This isn't Forest. <laughs> anything about that that sort of life, man. You got to leave that to the guys from Green County. Uh, <laughs> the best part about Forest Hills is that you know, like like every good suburb name, it's the name of what they destroyed to build a town. Go ahead, Perch. Why are we picking on my hometown <laughs> in Pittsburgh, boys? You bastards. <laughs> Uh, Chase Winovich, man, I'm, I'm still a little bit salty about the guys from Forest Hill this week, but uh, I'll, I'll move on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, B2B, if you remember what I uh, messaged you after the, the Steelers game uh, in one of my uh, three or four lines I sent you, do we cut Marcus Gilbert after the year? That's kind of where I'm at right now. Fat bastard, I mean, I think he's an outstanding player. He missed nine games last year. He's probably going to miss eight games this year. Uh, he's uh, over 30. He's the seventh or eighth highest paid player on the team. They'll save five or six million dollars a year by cutting him. Uh, if you look at, you know, kind of what they have with if Filer is able to start and you've got two other young guys that can be there to be your third and fourth backup offensive tackle on the roster. Uh, but that, again, it just kind of speaks to, to Munch, to how good he is. And, you know, just kind of looking to, to next year, you're going to lose. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Ramon, Ramon Foster is going to be gone in free agency. He seems to think he could sign for more money somewhere else. And Finney, I believe, is also, or maybe he's a restricted free agent. He's a restricted. Yeah, he's, restricted. He's, he's restricted. So, 
you know, you're going to have to get another interior guy in there. But yeah, Munch has done an outstanding job in there. There's been no drop off with Matt Fowler. Matt Fowler's played three or four games or four and oh in those games. And the running game uh, has been as good or better. And uh, their, their pass blocking has been every bit as good when he's in there. So, you know, why not save the $6 million and go with the younger guy? <laughs> you know, maybe he falls off, off the cliff, but I, I don't see it. I mean, he's going to start again uh, on Thursday, and we'll get another chance yep. to look at him. If a guy like that can put together six, seven, eight starts in a season and be as good as your starter and younger and healthier and, and you know, save you that much for the cap, uh, you know, why not? So that's uh, I guess that's, that's all I have to say about the offensive line. What else did you ask? I <laughs> that was mainly it. I just Cal, that was mainly yeah. it. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, FC, did you did you happen to catch the kickout block that Feeler had pulling from the right tackle position? I did. And uh, that, I that's like I'm not even sure. I'm saying I'm Gilbert. He might even be better than Gilbert, which is mm. that's a we I think Gilbert we need to slow this down. A little bit. <laughs> little, little, little bit. I know. I, just I remember that Vititi dominating last year at left tackle for the Eagles all season and then having his struggles this year. I am very impressed with Filer. I am a Marcus Gilbert fan. I admit it. I definitely do. If Filer continues to produce the way that he is, I mean, we're going to have a lot of cap room <laughs> next year. It's funny as that sounds. I understand we have people to sign, but... You know, if we do cut loose Gilbert, we're probably going to be looking at about 22 to $26 million in cap space, the way I look at it. But uh, the Steelers have either the best or the second-best offensive line. Oh, boy, I put on, on Twitter that the Steelers had the best offensive line, and the Saints fucking armada was ready to kill me. You know, they said the Saints <laughs> clearly have the best offensive line in the NFL, and I'm not going <laughs> to argue it. The Steelers are either... Steelers definitely have the best offensive line in the AFC, either the best or second best in uh, the NFL behind the Saints or ahead of the Saints. But, um, yeah, I really don't think Mike Munchak is in too big of a hurry to take a head coaching job either, which a lot of people feel he's going to be gone. I think he's very satisfied and very happy and in his place in life, being back in his you know home state of Pennsylvania. I, I really don't see him flying out looking to maybe be a head coach. There's a lot of fucking headaches that go along with it. Yeah, yeah it's not four too. And you know, like I mentioned before, remember how good Zach Banner looked early in, in the preseason? And I mean, there's a reason here in a roster spot and and Chuck's a core for. If you cut Gilbert, you've got two back. You've got two starters and two backups and an extra $6 million to play with to go get a corner or something in free agency, an inside linebacker, uh, another edge rusher, something that's going to put you over the top, a uh, number two or number three receiver to add to the mix. So, uh, it, you know, it's just something to look at. I just went, How often do you see a guy who becomes chronically injured two, three years in a row suddenly bounce back and all of a sudden have three or four good years where they don't get hurt? It, it just doesn't happen. So I, I'm a big fan of Marcus Gilbert. I think he's he's an outstanding lineman. He's just you know it is what it is. He's getting he's getting older. He's getting more injured, and to get young guys who can do the same job at a, at a lower price, uh, he can maybe go somewhere with Le'Veon next year. <laughs> well, yeah, he'll know he could. I know how to block <laughs> for that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it could be. Um, you mentioned his name now, Perch FC. Are we, is it? Have we officially reached the point where we just don't like? we don't care or is it we want to have him in reserve or uh, how does, I mean, Mike Tomlin is very good at this sort of thing, but how does he navigate this situation 
if Bell, let's say Bell eventually does come back, be, you know, the next, theoretically next week or whatever, is there a way to still bring him back without losing the whole locker room that pretty much had it up to here with, with what Bell has done? Is that for me or Perch? Uh, that, that's for whoever wants it. That was for you, FC. Okay. Um, I think that if the Steelers put Le'Veon Bell on the exempt list for the three weeks after he signs and they don't pay him, I think you're going to have an absolute shit show from Le'Veon Bell, just my personal opinion. Um, I think the players are indifferent. Um, they hate Le'Veon Bell until he makes a play to have them win a game, and then Le'Veon Bell will be welcomed back with open arms. The unique thing about a locker room, in my opinion. Um, but I think that uh, I won't be shocked if the Sewers organization to say fuck it and say yep, yeah, and uh, they put him on the exempt list for the three weeks and they don't pay him, uh, oh, which is their option. So I think it's going to be. I think that we have just begun with this scenario. I think I'm going to go slightly different from that. Why the hell would Le'Veon Bell come back now? What's in it for him? He's already passed up $9 million. All right, that's gone. Eight and whatever it is. So if he comes back and they put him on the exempt list, I think it's two-week maximum they could do that. I'm sorry. He loses a a couple more million. But what does he risk by coming back? One, he can get injured. Okay, why come back for five or six games to get injured? Uh, and then lose a chance at that big contract that he so desperately wants. Two, what if he comes back and he's ineffective because he missed all of training camp and, you know, everybody else is in week 10 condition, and here he is, you know, trying to come up with training camp conditioning. He doesn't look good. That's going to hurt his pay. Three, what if he comes back and it's very obvious to everybody who turns on the TV and watches the Steelers game that James Conner is the better, more talented player right now, and he was a third-round pick last year who just overcame cancer, and why do we want to give – $17 $17 million a year to this Bell guy who's got all these issues. And four, okay, he comes back for the playoffs, and he's making, what do they make, $50,000 a week in the playoffs? The guy was missing $800,000 a week to not play week one, two, three, four, all the way up into the season to come back and make chump change? Why would he come back? What's in it for him? Absolutely nothing. He could just sit out these last six games and go into free agency. If he does come back, he stands up to lose a lot. I don't see if he, he – I just can't see him showing up. So, apparently, he's playing basketball down the road here in Pittsburgh against some accountants and some insurance salesmen last night. And, like, apparently, he's back in the city is the, the latest rumors. Uh, you know, yeah. he's in town. So, maybe he does intend to show up. But if he does show up, that's when the real hornet's nest starts. Because, right. okay, Le'Veon comes back. You either bench James Conner, which they will not do because they earned the right. And, and the offensive line and everything, James Conner is the man now. Is Le'Veon going to be cool being the third down back and getting five, six, seven touches a game and, ten, and playing 10 snaps? Probably not. Does that create a big mess in the locker room? Do they bench James Conner and give those snaps to Le'Veon after, you know, two or three weeks when he gets his legs under him? And then the offensive line, who you know, who, who loves blocking for James Conner and Ben and everybody else, you know, uh, upset. I mean, it, it can create a, a big distraction with him coming back just because, you know, two dogs, one bone, you have a, a massive ego on this guy who, who's going to want to be the man. And it's, it's, it's a mess. You almost hope at this point he doesn't come back. <laughs> I hate to say it because I'd like yeah. to have him as an insurance policy. In case if he Connor doesn't come back, then he can't be a free agent. No, no, he's a free, he, he was already, he no, he's already a free agent. Yeah. yeah. Because he, he was, he was franchised twice. He'll be he's up six years in the league. 
no matter what, he's an unrestricted free agency, uh, free agent at the end of the year, unless they franchise him again at twenty million dollars or transition or, tag. Trans- you could use the absolute transition tag where it's seven point one million. Well, yeah, but it's only if he year. shows up. If he doesn't right. show up, they transition tag him at twenty percent above last year, so he'd be making fifteen million dollars. Wait, 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 wait. no, 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 no. That would be if he was franchised too. I'm saying is the very bottom tag transition tag, which they have the option to giving him, and they don't. He can sign whoever he wants to, then or the Steelers can match the contract. He's making well, seven point one million dollars, which they can do. Even though he was franchised twice, if he doesn't sign the tag this year, it's not like he was franchised twice. It was like he was franchised once, and they can give him the transition tag at seven point one million dollars. That's oh, only yes. that only that is only the case if he shows up and plays the last six games, because it would be twenty percent over those seven games, which equals six or seven million. If okay. he sits out the whole year, it would be twenty percent up higher than his last season's pay, which last year he made. Uh, what did he make last year on the on the franchise tag? Fourteen well, million. Actually, I heard a discussion about this with the what is I forget the lawyer guy who does the uh, Andrew Brandt. Yeah, yeah Andrew and, Brandt. I, and they were talking about how it's a it's, it would be a basically a court case because yeah. the, the language is so vague that no one knows if it means his what the money that he made in two thousand eighteen or the money he made in his last season, and they're going they probably go to court. But furthermore, just let me wipe this all away by saying. Why in the hell would the Steelers risk having to have Le'Veon Bell next year? <laughs> I mean, because the, to, me, right. to me, the biggest downside is that unless barring something totally unforeseen happening to James Conner, the worst thing you could possibly do would, would be to have him next year because I think it just creates you know, loads of problems, takes a bunch of money away from a, a you know, position where you don't need to spend the money and you need to spend it other places. That, that's all I was going to say. Not only that, even with the transition tag, <clears throat> why, why freeze up all your money, you know? When free agency starts, if you have this extra $15 million or whatever, you can go out and maybe add a, a premier player. If you have him on a transition tag, you have to account for that money. You can't spend it. And then you have to wait for somebody else to sign him away and then make the decision if you keep him or not. Connor's already proved he's the man. He's the number one guy. The Steelers need to go get you know one more guy in the middle of the draft to, to round out the running back core. Bell's done after the end of the year. And I really, he's going to be done after Tuesday if he doesn't show up. He'll <laughs> his career will be over. We don't have to worry about him anymore. They're not going to tag him. So why even, you know, at this point, it's not even discussion. But to me, it's with all that said and all that known, what's the motivation for Bell to show up? If he's that concerned about his health, that he didn't want to play the first half of the season because he thinks he's going to get more guaranteed money uh, in a contract from another team next year. Why risk it for six games? Why risk it for playoffs making fifty grand and when you pass up eight hundred grand to play in week one? You know, it doesn't make sense. So I, I can't see him if he shows up. He's a dumber, bigger idiot than I thought. Who played this even worse than I thought? <laughs> I mean, I'll say this, Perch. By one scenario that I can see him uh, coming back is a, a complete mea culpa. Him saying, "I was wrong," and you know, I want to I want to come back and play for my team, and I'll do whatever they asked me to do, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, that, that seems pretty far fetched even to me as it comes out of my mouth. But yeah, that would be a, that would be a situation where I'm sure the team would welcome him back and so on. But I think right now they just, they haven't rescinded the tag and just been done with, you know, washed their hands of him entirely just because they don't want him to sign with somebody else. And then, you know, exactly. have to play against him on the, in the stretch run or whatever. Um, or, you know, case, like I said, as an insurance policy, they'll, they'll, they'll drag this out as long as they can. Um, FC, unless you got something else to say about that, 
um, I'm willing to move on to something else. What do you think? Um, fuck love you on Bell. Yeah. Don't let your dog hear you say that. She'll kill you in your sleep. Yeah. She's, looking, she's looking at me right now like, uh-uh. <laughs> fuck that um, is right. Let's talk about this week's opponent. Short week. Carolina Panthers are no uh, pushover team. Um, number one rushing offense, basically, in the league in terms of efficiency. Um, FC, how do you see this? You know, I mean, obviously, it's favorite the Steelers for a short week matchup, but are, you know, are the Steelers going to be able to do anything to slow down Cam Newton and uh, the Carolina attack? What do you think? Yes, they could. They can. It's very possible. But what they're going to have to do is play smart, assignment-based football. As funny as that sounds, Carolina has window dressing. Carolina has run pass options. They have jet sweeps. They have quarterback leads. They have every type of run in the world. If you're gap responsible and you do the do your job, nothing more, nothing less, you can easily shut down the Carolina Panthers offense. Many teams have done it this year. Carolina's won a bunch of games with their defense. Carolina's lost some games this year where their offense just puttered out and they couldn't score enough points. Um, the Carolina Panthers have a ton of weapons to run the ball. Curtis Samuel, Moore, Christian McCaffrey. The only person that basically will not run the ball on their offense is the offensive line, Greg Olson and Devin Funches. And I'm waiting for a run to Devin Funches. Um, <laughs> They are a physical team. Uh, they are a tough team. Um, they have taken on Ron Rivera's image where they will try to line up and punch you in the mouth and physically beat you up. The question is, can Carolina, who is also going to be playing on a short week after they almost blew a game to Tampa, can they go into Pittsburgh where it's going to be a little bit chilly-willy? Um, I mean, Carolina, down here... It was 81 yesterday. I golfed. You know what I mean? It was 81 and sunny. You know, I, uh, Perch, what's the weather going to be like in Pittsburgh on Thursday night? Well, it's going from uh, a nice, uh, brisk fall 60 degree day today down to 24 over the weekend. So I'm going to guess tomorrow night, game time, I'm going to think probably, uh, low 40s. There you go. Uh, yeah, nice, uh, nice cool weather. Yeah. Cam Newton um, really does not like the cold. SEC quarterback, Alabama native, went you know went to Florida, then to Auburn. Um, I remember reading something last year about how terrible Cam Newton is in cold weather. The point is, is the Steelers, uh, I think the key is going to be T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree cannot get deeper than the ball. They can't overrun plays. They can outrun plays. They cannot allow Carolina to, to pin them and seal the edge. Um, the Sewers cornerbacks and safeties are going to have to tackle on space. I watched Sean Davis last week after a comment that was made on the podcast, and I could not agree more with Perch. Sean Davis has improved by night and day as an open field tackler. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah, it really has. Um, so, fundamentally, it sounds so boring, but if the Sewers do the small things right, they should be able to. Cam Newton really doesn't scare me with his arm. I'm sorry. Devin Funches really doesn't scare me in the in the passing game. Them getting in space with blockers in front of them, that scares me. Yeah, Perch. Uh, How about this? I'm, I'm, I'll close with this. Weapons-wise, outside, skill position players, just from a talent perspective, this is as good of a group from a talent perspective 
is the Steelers will face, and that includes the Kansas City Chiefs, from a skill position player. And now I know you're thinking, oh, Tyree Kill. I'll put it this way. I'll give Kareem Hunt a 10-yard head start. Christian McCaffrey will beat him five yards in a 60-yard race. <laughs> sure. So, you know, this is from an explosive element. This is very big danger. DJ Moore is a sub-4-4 guy. You know, Christian McCaffrey is a sub-4-4 guy. Um, Curtis Samuels is a sub-4-3-5 guy. This is – a lot of people are saying, oh, Carolina, Carolina is very dangerous. Well, Perch, the, the, the thing that uh, scares me a little bit is Morgan Burnett is getting, you know, more, more snaps. And uh, there's even talk of him getting more than he got last week. And my problem with that is that he, he doesn't look right. He looks slow to me. And against a team that has, uh, you know, a lot of this, you know, speed spread around for the kind of players that Morgan Burnett is going to be actually covering uh, and or trying to get to in the run game, could that be a little bit of a problem for the Steelers? No, not really. I mean, Morgan Burnett being on the field is basically removing a linebacker who's even bigger and slower, right? So <laughs> that that's, you know, it's kind of the trade-off, where if you're getting him matched up on the tight end, he should be able to run and cover and, and keep up with those guys. You got him, you know, matched up on the outside against a receiver or one of these quick backs out of the backfield, he may have some issues, but that's not really how they're using They're basically using him as, as a linebacker replacement. You know, to a, a better coverage linebacker is, is essentially what he's going to be used as. So, you know, uh, hopefully he gets a week healthier and, and a week more back in sync with, with you know, playing football. But um, that's probably one of the least of my concerns, to be honest. Yeah, well, what's your, what your actual concerns then? <laughs> you know, I'm more looking at the other side of the ball. I just... The last, does anyone remember the last time the Steelers and Panthers played? That is ruining my whole thought process for this game where the Steelers absolutely dominated in the trenches. And I think we had two backs go for over 100 and some yards. We had 300 rushing yards in that game. I think the game was in Carolina, right? Four years ago, 2004. And the Steelers just absolutely physically, and I can't get that out of my head. So that's all I keep thinking. Just looking at, you know, who Carolina has added and subtracted since then. They've got Don Terry Poe in the middle. You know, K1 Short's a pretty good penetrating interior defensive tackle. Their best outside pass rusher, Mario Addison. They've got Peppers who waves in. Um, but we just took advantage of Luke. Remember how bad Luke Keekley? They made the Steelers made Luke Keekley look awful. That's the worst game I think he's ever played the last time we played mm. this guy. Every time we play him, Tom uh, Mike Tomlin talks up Thomas Davis. Thomas Davis is still a solid player, but he's all he's not Thomas Davis of Eight no. years ago, he's, of two thousand. Yeah, I, I just I just think the Steelers, and even on the outside, Captain Munderland at cornerback, and, and there's, uh, James Bradbury. I think they're starting this week. Correct. I'm not too. Con- I, I don't see those guys matching up well with our talent on the outside. I think the Steelers' offense is going to dictate the pace of this game. I think that our offensive line is going to enforce the will onto onto the Panthers. I I really like the Steelers' offensive matchup against the Panthers' defense. And I think that's the bigger thing. I think our defense will do enough to slow the run where the Steelers have the best run defense in the league on first down. There's a, a free stat for you. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I think that I think the Steelers defense against a more run based team uh, is going to play into their, into their wheelhouse. I think that, you know, watching the tape, you know, when the Steelers had their bye week, who was playing Carolina and Baltimore, the next Steelers next two opponents. So I think they spent a ton of time looking at that tape and that game and saw how, you know, the misdirection and all the things that the window dressing that Carolina does on offense 
uh, and how it affected Baltimore. And I think Pittsburgh used some of that against Baltimore. And I think Pittsburgh they really work to to plan and scheme against what Carolina is going to do. So it like you said it's you you got to you, you got to play your gaps. Everybody plays assignment football and you'll be able to slow it and and stop some drives on them. I just think the Steelers offense can really dictate the tempo and the pace of that game. Uh Ben's undefeated on Thursday night games at home. Steelers are outstanding in prime time. It's a color rush game. I just I think it lines up well for Pittsburgh. Yeah, that uh, previous game against Carolina, just to refresh your memory, uh, that was the high watermark for LeGarrette Blunt's Pittsburgh Steeler career. He had uh, 10 carries for 118 yards, a touchdown with a 50-yarder mixed in there for good measure. Um, Steelers had two rush, two running backs over 100 yards. So, so it's four years ago. Things change, but some things stay the same. I get the feeling that this game plan is going to be fairly run-heavy, um, you know, it, it, I, I kind of it's hard to argue with Perch in terms of like the the uh, you know the th- being a Thursday night game, short week for Carolina, and so on and so forth. But but FC, if the Steelers are going to struggle and or lose this game, what should we be looking for to see? What are the warning signs you would you would look for? Turnovers by the Steelers, uh, them able to gash us in the run game, get the edge. Um, be able to gash us in the run game period. Um, Ben to have a heart attack? Because um, I agree, happen, 100% <laughs> agree with with Perch where I think Carolina is going to really struggle with the Steelers' offense. Um, outside of Ben taking the tip of the ball in the belly, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster being hit illegally, I didn't think that the ball – I was concerned about the Sewers Ravens game being an incredibly physical, nasty game. I don't think it was that. I mean, Ben fell on the ball, knocked, got the win, knocked out him. And uh, Eric Weddle's a dirty prick that smoked Juju. Outside of that, you know, the Sewers seem to be pretty healthy. And I think that if Carolina can win a street fight, if they could come in and bully the Steelers, the Steelers are in big trouble. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I, one thing I noticed Perch watching uh, Carolina this year is it seems like uh, James Bradbury is having, um, if not an all-pro season, close to it. He's having a terrific season. Uh, the guys that he covers don't really get much action at all. He's covered the, their Joe Hayden. So to me, the question is, you know, do we have – the problem, the problem as I see it is we don't really have anybody that matches up that great against Dante Jackson uh, – you know, the Steelers, I feel like they got to get some run out of their wide receivers in this game because of the linebacker, you know, linebackers all across the board that Carolina has. Um, you know, am I looking at this the wrong way, or do you you see it? You know, I, I, I like the Steelers. I still like with those corners that they have. I still like the Steelers' uh, talent on the outside better. Uh, I think Juju and, and Antonio are going to be a pretty tough matchup for, for those corners, so – um, yeah, I just, like I said, I, I like the way we match up. I like the way that our tight ends will, will get matchups in that game. I like our running backs out of the backfield in that game. I think that the Steelers are going to come out, you know, kind of a heavy lineup and, and look to punish those guys with the run. And when they start sinking down to play the run, if we got our, those receivers soloed up on the outside or we start throwing the ball to the running backs and tight ends, I, I just like the way the Steelers match up uh, against Carolina. No, See, this is the way I look at it. If you attempt to put James Bradbury on Antonio Brown without help, Antonio Brown is going to go after Willie Anderson's single-game record of catches and yards in a game. 
or excuse me, he's going to go after Michael Thomas's record, I think it is now, for catches in game and Willie Anderson's total. James Anderson, James Bradbury has absolutely fucking zero chance of being able to cover Antonio Brown if Antonio Brown's at 50% health. He's just too damn quick for Bradbury, who's slow, heavy-footed. Now, Dante Jackson, on the other hand, if you put him on AB and you put uh, Bradbury on on uh, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, I think that, that Bradbury could do a very good job on Juju Smith-Schuster. I think Antonio Brown will take Dante Jackson to the woodshed with fundamentals and with route running, and I don't think we'll have as big of a game because, you know, Jackson can really run, but no, no, no. I... I don't think there's a team in the NFL that really has two corners that can shut down Juju and Antonio Brown, especially if the Steelers can run the ball at all. Just can't do it. Can't have it. Won't happen. <laughs> well, I would say Dante Jackson with help. I mean, to me, if I'm them, I put Dante Jackson on Antonio Brown and I give him safety help, and I put Bradbury on Juju and say, that's your guy. Um, Here comes Connor. Here comes Vance <laughs> McDonald. Sure. Um, I mean, what the one guy perch that concerns me a little bit because just because he's he's a little bit of a wild card, and I see him making a lot of plays on the ball, and he has like that you know ten percent Fontes perfect about him uh, right now, and and that is Eric Reed. Um, you know, do you have any do you have any visions of Eric Reed being a factor in this game? You can't make a play with your knee on the ground. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> I don't know. He's super did physical. You, I, mean, I mean, did you see the game against Philly FC? Because that was like right up there with the the, the right. I oh, keep he's super mom. physical. I pray he, was crazy he tries to. I pray he tries to throw on the rain, on on the run. Uh, we, we don't have Matt Breda or Desart in the backfield for the Steelers. We we we, we got Connor. That's 235. If Eric Reed's 195-pound ass wants to come up and try to fill on the run helmet-to-helmet with with Connor, I'll take that. Eric Reed's going to be leaving in the UPMC for concussion protocol. It's, it, we're not running <laughs> Willie Parker out there at Eric Reed. We're not running Fitz Toussaint. I mean, Connor's a, still a pretty nice-sized lad, and, uh, you know, he's out these Pennsylvania tough, baby. You know, it's... <laughs> it's that eerie water, you know. If you it's drink that, that water, water up there, exactly. <laughs> makes you you'll get cancer, but you'll be from the mon. You know, it, it doesn't. It's not the multicolor water of the mon, but you know, <laughs> the multicolor water. They had, they had like uh, you know they created these uh, super carp, you know, on the mon from the water. Yeah, um, kind of like a the you know, in, Avenger. Uh, Exactly. That's what I was trying to think of. Yeah, exactly. Well, all right, gents. Um, I get a feeling how we feel about this game. This is a short week for us, too. So let's let's uh, work to our Around the League pick segment uh, brought to us by Dean Blandino, Mike Pereira, Akib Tlaib's mom. Uh, and uh, I guess we'll go honorably. And you know what? No, we're, we won't. We'll cut it off at that. I'm not going to talk too much shit. <laughs> I'll, I'll add. I'm going to add Eric Eric Reed against Philadelphia to, yeah. to our sponsors because he he lost his mind. <laughs> Eric Reed uh, taking a knee, <laughs> which is still the funniest line in the fucking show. <laughs> but no, actually, it's a, uh, I, he's here as 
the volunteer, not a hostage. I think the purchase, which is right. I, I, I give him two. Uh, speaking of perch, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, New Orleans and Cincinnati. Cincinnati's not quite dead yet. Uh, is this the game where they become dead, Perch? New Orleans is a Absolutely. four and a half point AJ favorite. AJ Green's apparently dead for the next two weeks, and I think that pretty much ought to wrap up. And Cincinnati's got uh, the Saints, and they got somebody tough next week too. Is it Baltimore? Baltimore. Yeah, yeah they're, it they're, is. they're going to go down two in a row, and then I think after that they bounce back with like the Browns and Broncos and Chargers. So maybe they start getting right towards the end of the season, but. Yeah, I mean, we've seen this before. Cincinnati's going to start to crumble and fail, and their defense has been a mess. Uh, without A.J. Green, their offense isn't going to be able to keep up. I mean, the only thing, the only chance I really give them is the Saints coming off a big emotional win against uh, against the Rams, and maybe they're due for a trap game or a letdown game, but I think Breeze and those guys are going to have an absolute field day on that Cincinnati defense, and, and I, I think that uh, without A.J. Green on the field, the Bengals are going to be a lot more pedestrian offense. I, I think with the spread in that game, six and a half or seven, four, four and a half, half for New Orleans. Four and a half. Yeah, I think the Saints, you know, win by a touchdown, easy. It also has the biggest uh, over and under of the game of the weekend, fifty-four. So, just for the record, and somebody doesn't think there's much defense in that game, <laughs> um, uh, which may be true. Uh, I think that covered it. FC. Let's move on. Um, so it's sort of a sneaky, uh, uh, you know. It's a little bit of a weird thing for, t- for Tennessee. They're coming off Monday night uh, and traveling, you know, playing at home now uh, against New England. New England comes in. They're a touchdown favorite. Perch is never going to pick against New England. I'm not even going to go to him. But Tennessee is like a – I don't know. I would, I, would, I would call their defense sneaky good. Do they have enough uh, playing at home uh, to, to be able to fend off the Patriots? Not enough to win. They're they're going to keep the game very close, and I'm going to sneak something in on you. Um, I'll take the Bengals in the points. By the way, oh, against, against New uh, against New Orleans. Um, yeah, uh, thirty one degrees, twenty one mile per hour winds in Drew Brees outdoors. Uh, the Saints are going to win, but I think they're going to win by a field goal. We'll slide that in, and uh, I think the 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 Titans will keep it close. I think the New England will end up winning by a touchdown at the end. Uh, yeah, um, I, I'll sneak. I'll sneak one in on you. A sneaky stat. Um, I think Drew Brees. I'm going to just double check here. Outdoors. Uh, da 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 da. Is sixty-seven and fifty-six. He's sixty-seven and fifty-six outdoors with a. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to see the number. I was trying to see his quarterback rating. It's, it's right around ninety it's, versus. I think it's it's like twenty five points lower than his career. Oh, here we go. Outdoors yeah, 90, 91, 91 outdoors and one hundred three at home. Okay. Anyway, okay. So uh, he's still pretty good. He's still better than right. Andy Dalton. <laughs> That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, um, it's gonna be cold. I, Windy. Yeah. Uh, it will be. You know, it, it, I just have memories of him playing in Chicago and in Pittsburgh on two. You know, right. cold days where he he lit them both up. So I think it's like if you have a good defense and you're playing outdoors in the cold, and the rest of your team doesn't meet that standard, then yeah. But I got very little bad to say about Drew Brees. Um, the uh, let's see, uh, da, 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 the Eve. I'm trying to think of another. Oh, I guess the only other one uh, that I want to talk about was the L.A. Rams 
uh, hosting Seattle. Rams are 10-point favorites. Seattle played them. It was, a late, I guess, a late uh, score by the Rams that won that game in Seattle. Seattle's not entirely dead yet either. They're the Cincinnati of the NFC. Uh, Rams, you know, coming off the game against New Orleans are a 10-point favorite. That seems awfully high to me. I, I don't think Seattle has enough to, to beat the Rams if they're rolling. But Seattle seems to play them tough. It's a division game. I, I will take Seattle on the points. Uh, any arguments? Those are the games I, I never understand where Seattle's playing some of their best ball of the year and they're coming around and they look pretty good. A 10-point spread in that game, it just seems weird. So anytime I see something like that, I'm like, what what, what don't I know? What am I missing that Vegas knows? And, you know, so the, the smart money is probably on the Rams because I'd never put them at 10 points above Seattle in that game. Even though know, the Rams are the better team and they should win, but 10 points just seems like a lot. So I, I'll, I'll avoid that one completely. I, I don't know where to go with it. Yeah, it's it's uh, I, it, like you said, they, it feels like they must know something you don't know. That's how I see about that game. Uh, that brings us around. Speaking of uh, something that we should know that we don't know, uh, let's talk about your five-star matchup this week. It's a short week matchup for Thursday Night Football. It's your Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Carolina Panthers. FC, uh, you're uh, in Carolina, unless I'm mistaken. You get to probably see a little South bit more of this team yeah. than usual. Yes. Uh, well, it's um, all Carolina to me. Right. Uh, what, what do you make of this matchup? <laughs> um, I think the Steelers are going to win 31-24. Um, I don't think that close that game, the score is going to be indicative of how the, the game is going to be. I think the Steelers are going to probably have a comfortable lead heading into the fourth quarter, prevent, and maybe Carolina puts up that last touchdown with 30 seconds left. The Steelers get the onside kick, knees to win. Um, I think the Steelers could actually throttle Carolina, but the unfortunate thing is I could see Carolina coming into Pittsburgh and winning if the Steelers play shitty fucking defense. I just think the absolute shitty defense uh, days are not are gone this season. It just seems that they're starting the Steelers defense is starting to fire a little bit more. You're getting more out of Tua. You're getting more out of Hayward. Um, you, you got a three man rotation at outside linebacker. Uh, Vince Williams. Don't let no one lie to you. Is the tone setter on this defense? Uh, he once again tr- attempted to put the hot sauce on Alex Collins. He attempted to put the hot sauce on Buck Allen. And no matter what anyone says, whenever you almost get fucked up, you're a little bit. You don't run as hard. You're a little. You'll tiptoe a little bit more. And Vince Williams actually brings that sledgehammer element to the defense. Um, Cam Newton. If he runs hard and proud the way he does at times, he might get fucked up real bad in this game. I like the Steelers thirty-one twenty, uh, or I like the Steelers to win, barely cover, and uh, we're gonna have a nice little break on the podcast. Okay, wait a minute, thirty-one twenty. You you have a you said barely cover. I already changed my score. I had it thirty-one twenty-four. I, okay, I, I think it's gonna be about a seven-point game. I did hit gotcha. the score pretty damn close last week. I would you like to you really that. did. Uh, you know, only Jerry Dulac bested you. Yes. <laughs> Perch, tell me about this game. Well, I don't have anything to add. My my thought on it was, was very similar to what FC said. I think the Steelers are going to physically control the game. I, I've got them winning 28-24 in a game that's not quite that close. I think they will – it'll feel like a much bigger win than a four-point win uh, when all said and done. I just think – Home game, Thursday night football, color rush uniforms, warm weather team coming to the cold weather, Steelers run game, 
uh, Steelers being able to stop the run, all those things kind of slant Pittsburgh's way. Uh, I got the Steelers winning 28-24. Yeah, I, I, uh, I just think this. I don't think Cody Sensabaugh is a great NFL player, but he does seem to be making fewer mistakes. And I think in, in, certain, in some ways the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense just needs to make fewer mistakes in order to get off the field. Um, they seem to be a little bit better on third down than they have been, a little bit better on first down than they have been. Uh, I'll, I'll take that, you know, on most occasions. Um, I kind of feel like as long as you don't give up those, you know, crazy outlier plays that, that flip the field or, you know, a big uh, a, a third and long that gets converted because of mistakes, um, I, will, I will take getting beat once in a while in trade for that for sure. Um, I, like, I like the Steelers uh, fairly big here, 34-23. I think the game will be sort of back and forth early, but I have a feeling that, uh, as as you guys have both pointed out, that the Steelers are going to try to pound this uh, defense off the field so they don't have to run with them. Uh, and therefore, I think that the way the season has been going for, for them, uh, for Pittsburgh, that wears teams down and they end up pulling away uh, later in the game. So I'll make it 34-23 Steelers. Uh, final thought for you, Mr. Perch. Just win, man. Just win. Uh, I think that the last week really put uh, the Steelers in in the catbird seat for the AFC North, where we already have a win over Cincinnati. Claim at home to end the season. Cincinnati just lost AJ Green. It has two, uh, you know, two tough games coming up here, where Pittsburgh takes care of business here. Uh, they get a long week, prepare for the, uh, a couple of road trips coming up. Got to win this game, though, uh, and I think that they they match up well. Uh, it should be, it should be good, a real good game, probably one of the more exciting games of the year, but uh, got to win this one. FC? When in doubt, go with the worst cliche in the world. Be the hammer, not the nail. <laughs> it seems to be working for you, so this is correct. Uh, I am, uh, you know, mostly uh, the nail, but I, I will say, I will say, uh, you know, don't let this be a trap game for you as a fan don't be, don't expect too much um it's a it's a short week b it's a good opponent and um c at there's a natural tendency it's like they like perch just said they're in sort of the catbird seat now uh in the past that's been uh you know a recipe for at least uh taking a little while to find their their feet so let us hope that uh, that period of adjusting to being the front runner uh doesn't uh, cost them too much in this game, they can make it through. And don't you as a fan take anything for granted. Uh, enjoy the successes. Don't uh, bitch too much about the bad. Actually, you can bitch. That's your job. Uh, anyway, but try to try to enjoy the successes because you never know how many more you're going to have. That's all I have to say, gentlemen. FC Perch, thank you for uh, joining me on an early Thursday morning. Or what? Excuse me, an early Wednesday morning. I have a feeling that I, I sound like I just rolled out of bed, which I did. Hey! So... Uh, <laughs> FC Perch, everyone is still in fury. Uh, how about we talk next week after a fabulous Pittsburgh Steelers victory and a relaxing Sunday? Uh, and to that end, go get them, Steelers. Go Steelers.
Fury. <laughs>